thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, gorgeous listeners. Thank you for joining us again tonight on Wellness and Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And tonight's episode is going to be like a therapy session for Dr. Ashley and Dr. Andrea um, <laughs> because both of us absolutely are suffering with imposter syndrome. And we thought that we can't be the only women in the world who are also experiencing this, and obviously we're not. Um, and Ash and I were just laughing about the fact that we have planned to record a podcast specifically on this topic. And then uh, as we start to unravel it, Ash was just mentioning that she is in the thick of this right now, as am I. So I'm like, we're just going to start recording and then have this conversation and it's all going to make sense. It is, it is. And it's interesting too because I guess this is the – probably the – I sat smiling when I was like planning for this episode and I was like, well – the irony was that the very thick of the imposter syndrome that I'm feeling right now is then also the vulnerability that I want to express. But then I'm like, oh, but then everyone will see behind us, you know, that we're, we're not as smart as we think we are. And <laughs> Which is hilarious because... Um, oh. But vulnerability shouldn't be, you know, equated to a lack of excellence in what you do, right? And this is the, right? this is the female psyche and I just kind of, it, it hit it all on the head in one go. I'm like, no wonder, you know, Forbes magazine reported that 75% of female executives experience imposter syndrome in the workplace. I mean, that's, that's a huge statistic. So suddenly I was like, I don't feel very alone, but still, why is this happening? 
<laughs> I know. And I, I know for a fact that it's definitely not just women. Um, but I absolutely not, no. But I do think that women like women were sort of the first ones to coin this. Um, and when we talk about imposter syndrome, what we're actually meaning is um it, it's also termed perceived fraudulence. So which sounds quite sinister, but essentially it's this like unfounded feelings of self-doubt. So I think the unfounded part is really important. So the feelings of self-doubt and incompetence that persist despite, you know, our education, our expertise, our experience, our accomplishments um, and our previous um, experience or um, accolades and everything else in the things that we're doing. So it's these questions that we're constantly asking of why me? What am I doing here? I don't belong here. I'm not good enough um, for this? Uh, why are they listening to me? Um, why would someone come to me for this? Um, I'm a fraud. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. funnily enough, these are all the questions of this phenomenon in particular primarily impacts accomplished, successful women. So these people who already have a track record of being accomplished and successful but still ask these questions of themselves um, and, it, and it's so interesting, isn't it? And this is the thing. Repeated success actually doesn't break the cycle. Yeah. Uh, you think that once you've accomplished a few things, you're like, well, see, proved it. I can do this or I am good enough at this or I am smart enough or I've done enough courses or, look, I've, you know, four four kids. I've raised four kids. They've all survived. I, I must be good at parenting. <laughs> but, we, you know, there's still that self-doubt. Like I've met mums who are like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just a stay-at-home mum. And, and they still get major imposter syndrome with this idea that they're not a good enough parent. I'm like, seriously, you've got four four boys like how can you not be a good enough parent you're amazing um but it just shows you it comes up in all sorts of life not just executive level women like i'm talking just women doing life in any form and we have this notion that somehow we've compared and contrasted ourselves to something and we've set a, a pinnacle or a point at which we think we should be and anything under that is never good enough and um i definitely can put my hand up and say that I've probably experienced this my entire life that mm. in terms of living memory of, of what I can remember. And I can't say that I can put it on to any one person to say that because of so-and-so said this or my mother did that or my mm. father did this. I don't know that it's necessarily that. I've always felt like it's it's an internal dialogue. Yeah. And I wondered why that's so. But then at the same time, it's that that driver that I believe has created the success that I have in my life and have continued to create throughout my life but it's never good enough and it's like ah when does good enough become enough like it's like you and I both have like seriously we're always studying like we always have a diploma a degree or something going in the Mm -hmm. background we've already done a five-year master's like why do we need more but Mm -hmm. it's this impossible feeling of like I've got to know more I've got to have another piece of paper I've got got to have another letter beside my name right Um, so ladies if you're feeling this I promise you you're not alone and I I don't think we're you know a bunch of crazy women I just think somehow um amongst society uh potentially the patriarchy I hate to put that Mm. you know out there but I do believe that does dictate a bit of what I feel trying to prove myself against male you know, colleagues and things like that. Um, um, and I reckon that that's a big part of it as well, Ash, because, um, you know. We've got a fairly male-dominated profession at the top end in terms of like executives and yeah. boards and, oh, um, absolutely. You know, say, for example, um, speaking circuits and yeah. things like that. They're predominantly the, the respected positions are predominantly, you know, top-end male heavy. Um, and throughout pretty much 
antiquity, like most of human history, that has been the case as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, true. And this idea or this term of imposter syndrome was coined in the 70s um, from women who were sort of stepping up and being high achieving in the 70s when most industries would have been male-dominated and led. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, and I think that this is probably just a, a hangover from so much of that um, and that we're still working on all of those themes still now as well. And I also did that kind of um, almost recall for myself, like where did this come from? So how many more degrees is it going to take me to give me enough satisfaction that I know my stuff, right? And I'm so interested to go through the five types of imposter syndrome with you, Ash, because I I knew straight away as soon as I saw the title of one of them, I knew exactly what I was and I think that you're probably on the same boat there, but we'll go through those in a second. Um, And, you know, like those questions of like, seriously, how much more do I need to study? Um, Like when is this journey ever going to end for you to feel like you can say with complete authority that you are the expert in that field and um i know that we we are like logically i can absolutely say that we you know are absolutely um you know not just in our profession are we absolutely you know the best there is in, in terms of women's health absolutely and pregnancy care and everything else but um just in women's health in general we are absolutely leaders and i can say that logically but the feeling oh, you can even hear your voice drop during the end <laughs> drop volume there right oh, like isn't that fascinating so you probably read into that little little moment there because i was just seeing how we, we go down in our yep. you know in our volume and it's like that's interesting we're still not comfortable in that space but look i I don't know that um, it's. it sounds like an easy thing to say that it's only certain women, but I think it, at all points in time it's throughout life. And it's just a confidence game. But, you know, I heard that at uni and they were like, oh, just fake it until you make it. Like it's this mm. common throwaway thing. I'm like, and yet that, that inauthenticity is actually the very thing that kind of promoted and stirred a higher sense of imposter syndrome, which I think is really interesting because I'm sure a lot of women are told the same in their workplace. Um, You know, just pretend you know it. Like It's like, but we can't. I don't know how to pretend. I do know it, but now I don't feel good enough. (laughs) Because confidence doesn't necessarily imply um, competence, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that encouraging fake it till you make it, certainly um, I think it's going to underpin so much of this. Mm. Um, so let's – Tell us about the five types. I'm really interested. Okay. First of all, I just want to talk about some of the characteristics. So, ladies, if you're kind of going, oh, I'm intrigued, yep, I, you, you feel like you probably fit into this boat as well. Um, so the things that sort of come along with this are the feelings of, you know, self-doubt, and it can be in one particular aspect of your life. It can be in lots of different um, – you know, lots of different the roles that you play. Um, there can be things like sabotaging your own success um, and that can play out in all sorts of different ways. Um, so for me, it can be, um, oh gosh, you know, just procrastinating on things that have been in the works literally for years and years and years and it's just, you know, waiting for it to be so perfect before you start, you know, doing other things or, or whatever it might be. Um it's undervaluing your contribu- um, contributions. There can be low self-esteem that go with it, but, you know, that doesn't have to be something that's at the forefront. Um, there's certainly the fear of failure, 
it can be this also this um, perpetuating cycle of overworking, so overdoing things just to try and get it perfect. Um, it can be not accepting recognition for your achievements, so you'll just brush things off or you'll um, pass the you know, the relay back to somebody else who you think deserves it more. Um, and there's always that idea of that comparison. So comparing yourself to others, um, but they did it quicker. They did it this way. They did it better. I, you know, all of those sorts of things. So those are some of the really common characteristics that we see that come up, um, with this idea or this phenomenon of imposter syndrome. Um, and, the five types of them go a little bit like this. Uh, so, Ash, when I was first reading through this, um, I thought that this first one was you, but um, I actually think it's a little bit lower. So, just bear with me, okay? So, the first um, char- first sort of personality type that goes with imposter syndrome is perfectionism or the perfectionist. So, essentially, you demand perfectionism in every aspect of your life. So, instead of acknowledging your hard work, um, that and all of that that you've put in, you'll criticize the little mistakes and you'll feel like you've failed. Um, and that may stop you from trying new things as well because um, you you have this sort of, um, I guess, story in your mind about all the little mistakes that you've made. So if you can't get that right, why, how could you possibly get other things right? Um, does that make sense? So it's just those, yeah. those perfectionistic tendencies. Yeah. Um, the next one is uh, this theme or idea of being just a natural genius. So throughout your life, everything has come nor everything normally has come naturally to you. So that when you actually have to work hard for something, or you actually have to put in time and effort, you feel like a fraud. You feel ashamed. You feel embarrassed. Um, so I, I kind of um, link this to um, the idea of you know like the high school jock um, who you know has a really easy time of um, you know life during high school, but then when they get to a more challenging situation and they actually have to put in effort, they have to spend time and energy. Um, so then that makes them feel like they've never done anything right. Uh, the next one is the soloist. So this is the person who should be able to handle everything themselves and solo. And asking someone for help or accepting support means you're failing your own standards mm-hmm. and you're admitting your own inadequacies and you're showing everybody else that you're a failure if you can't do it by yourself. Yeah, um, makes sense. We're the, lo- the lone wolf, kind yep. of the, the lone wolf uh, approach, yep. Yep. Um, number four is the expert. So you have to learn and know everything possible on the topic before you would consider your work a success. So you might spend so much time pursuing your quest for that info that you get in this vicious cycle and you have to have all the answers and when you don't, you feel like a complete fraud or failure. Mm-hmm. And then finally, there's the superhero. So you equate your competence to your ability to succeed in literally every role you hold. So this means the friend, the employee, the parent, the partner, the you know mother, whatever it might be. And if you don't perform successfully in every single one of those roles, then it proves those inadequacies. So you should be able to do more. You should be able to be more. So those are those superhero tendencies. Interesting. Well, I think that's a really 
comprehensive breakdown of the also the different personality types we all have, mm-hmm. you know, and so we all have dominant traits that um, drive us, and then obviously those sense that sense of inadequacy is going to be there, and depending on which kind of personality type we have, we'll would determine which of those. I think I'm probably a couple mixed in there as I was listening to that. I was like, oh. Which ones did you resonate with, Ash? I think the probably the one, I mean, I've always been perfectionist and so without that element but also then probably never feeling smart enough. So like landing on the expert as well. The others maybe a little bit but not quite the same way. I was like, yeah, no, and they feel like they tie together really well like until you feel like you're an expert. It's not perfection if you don't know enough about something. So, Oh, yeah, yeah. that is 100% me. Like yeah. literally 100% that is my love language for imposter syndrome, if you want to put it that way, uh, <laughs> you know, and um, it's funny that if, uh, and this is, I guess, possibly part of the treatment strategy for this, that um, if you look at the evidence around um, this idea of me, if I don't have all the answers, then I am failing, right? And Mm. if I look at the evidence of that, every time we've presented, there is not a question that throws me, you know? Every, um, you know, seminar or conference or, you know, expert panel that I have been a part of or also attended, my knowledge um, is – surpasses that that is being either presented or, you know, and I – but still – if I don't feel like I know absolutely everything, like if I, you know, and still don't feel like my study journey is done, then it's just not good enough. Um, so it's quite a sickness, I think. <laughs> oh, it's interesting that, and they do say that question, is it a mental illness? You know, is it a, is it a, something that we should be sitting and having counselling sessions on? And I think, ladies, if you're listening and you've been kind of checking and thinking, oh, I'm one of this and I'm one of that and, oh, that's me, and um, look, I, I think – that look it's not in a categoric dsm uh mental health category Mm. but i do think it relates to um self-talk you know and so i think it has a lot to do with like we said the impression or the self-belief or self-acceptance of potentially false beliefs and um I don't know that you need to try and cure it, but I think you need to tame the beast. You know, I think yeah. for me it's something that's I, I don't want to be I think some little small part of me actually likes imposter syndrome because I know it drives me. Yes. It kicks yep. me on my toes. It keeps me wanting to be sharper and better and, you know, smarter and all those things. But uh, the negative aspect of it is that it can also be quite paralyzing. Yeah. Uh, that I can feel as though I don't put my hand up for something uh, or I don't put my name forward for something or I choose not to self-promote something, you yeah. know, for fear of what that will look like or... Which is exactly what we're dealing with right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have an incredible, incredible um, seminar and training and, and the things that we're doing, but both of us are standing there going, oh... You know, don't want to put your neck out too far. We might upset other people within the profession if we say these things about what we're presenting. Like, how are we to know that's you know the best in this topic? But honestly, totally we've is. been to so many. Yeah. <laughs> we know what we know, and it's like this actually is the best. But how do you say that without looking like 
you know, tall poppy syndrome, someone's going to come and try and chop you down or criticize you. And, and look, I know that's all our stuff. I totally get that. Um, so that's where that paralysis comes in of like, well, it's easy sometimes to do nothing than to try and beat this down with a stick and say, I've got this under control. I can do this and, and forge mm. forward. So I and- guess, for, you know, for anyone with this, there's no doubt common threads, you know, to all of those five categories, um, the common threads of self-doubt, you know, the common th- threads of feeling like there's a lack in your capability or your intelligence or your skills in something. And it could be in anything. Like I was reading an article about this lovely guy and he was just saying how, um, you know, he's got worldwide awards for ciders, like apple ciders. Wow. And he goes, and every time he makes one, he feels as though the game's up. Like he's so worried about these events, even though he's proven again and again that he creates world-class ciders, but he keeps thinking they're going to be like, he doesn't know what he's doing. Wow. Isn't <laughs> and that so it's really interesting that people come to him and he, he can't really feel confident even mentoring them because he keeps thinking that they're going to see something that he's not. Yeah. Um, and so this is this idea that in some way we all wear a mask, don't we? We all put a mask on for certain parts of our life um and i think for women probably more more relevant is that i would suggest we're slightly more uncomfortable when we're being inauthentic yeah and that's yeah. like emotional intelligence that high mm. eq that makes us uncomfortable when we put this mask on yeah. and so i would say across the board the place where i feel like i have to put a mask on is probably the place that triggers the most discomfort yeah. Did and, you find that as well? Um, and Ash, is that uh, like for you, is that presenting? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. no question about it. It's it's um, particularly presenting to, to my peers because I always think they're smarter than me. <laughs> so, yeah, and it's um, so know. much harder to present to colleagues um, yeah. than it is to, you know, just even the general public. Um yeah, and, and then who, who am I to present to someone who's got 25 years more practice experience than I do? Like that's kind of, that kicks in at sure. times. And then you only feel adequate enough to maybe teach students. And you're like, just because you know, they're clearly not going to be up to scratch where you are at. It's it's almost yeah. like I can only teach people who I had perceived to be, you know, not as smart as me. But, um, but thankfully in our relationship, in our friendship, I think we overcome that quite well because eventually we get to a point where we look at each other and go, oh, you know, effort. (laughs) Yeah. We're just doing this. And that's, and that's the beauty I believe of good relationships in your life. When you do find yourself experiencing, you know, this sort of imposter syndrome is an imposter, I'd say phenomena because it's phenomenally annoying. Yes. (laughs) It's just like, "Ah, why does this hold me back again? How stupid. Um, And the logical brain says how silly, but then there's still that little bit of lizard brain that wants to hide you back and and pull you away from what you're, you're really great at. So for me, I think, um, People say, oh, look, how do you get past this? And even I've asked myself mm. this, how do you get past this? I know for for my personal experience, good relationships um, with people I trust who can call BS, who can um, get me through my own stuff yeah. uh, is really valuable. So between you and, you know, JC's friendships, those two are probably the most powerful plus Peter, my husband, because um, he sees all of it. There's no mask there, right? Yeah. Uh, so you, you get that that sort of freedom to just be who you are and then be like, oh, stop worrying about it. Oh, my God, just get over it. Like, get over yourself. You know, yeah. I think you even said that one time, like, we just need to get over ourselves. I'm like, 
that is so true because this is really you know not real stuff it's just in our in our head we're blocking ourselves from our own success um and I think that, Ash, what a lot of what you're saying there is having someone mm. to have that accountability to. Mm. Um, and I do think that that's one of the strategies to help to overcome that is to have um, – and these don't have to be just like, you know, absolute cheerleaders who pump you up unnecessarily, but people yeah. who can put honest. things <laughs> – Yep, honest, mm. um, who can help um, put things into perspective for you, but also to push you out of your comfort zone um, when they know that um, your self-limiting beliefs are what are actually holding you back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I, that's where I had someone whose role is more like a mentor as well. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't have to be someone too close to you. If you need to, you can, you know, hire a coach or a business mm. mentor or someone who can help guide um, guide through this. I've always found it a challenge to – overcome it with um you know like the the positive self-talk and the Mm. self-confidence boosting things because then part of my brain kicks in and goes like like geez it's a bit bit much ego going on there (laughs) you know like you go into that sort of like i'm so good i'm so amazing self-talk and it's like oh okay just just you know just just hold that back a fraction yeah um but then again you know why should i so I think, you know, if you're listening, thinking that this is um, how you're feeling and kind of laughing along with us, because I I reckon this is probably a conversation just about any woman I know personally could have and be like, oh, my God, yeah, it's so true. Um, and then the question we probably would ask each other is like, why do we still go through this? Like we've gone through this for a year, five years, a decade, 20 years, 30 years of our lives. At what point do you actually get over it or get through it or get past it? Um, yeah. It's an interesting question, right? Um, I would love to know what the answer to that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and because it, I think it is important to acknowledge and fight this because as you mentioned before, Ash, it really can, it has the potential to stifle your growth, your success, your meaning um, by preventing like new opportunities um, yeah. or for you to even just be following through with the things that you think that you really should be doing or the things that are you're really passionate about. Um, so I think that if we look at some strategies to, okay, what are some practical things that we can do to help? possibly overcome this if it's not something that's ever just going to go away magically or maybe we just all of a sudden evolve into those incredibly confident women in as we age who just don't you know give a stuff anymore (laughs) i must say somewhere in my 30s i did get the effort kind of i always say the effort i don't want to say swearing on this show <laughs> the arcade bucket, um, yeah, you know, and it's kind of like you get to a point where you're like, oh, screw it, like yeah. I'm over apologizing or making excuses or finding a reason to avoid this. It's just like I'm done. It's too tiring yeah. to keep up a mask. And this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is what I'm passionate about. And this is how I do it. You know, yeah. it kind of comes to you, and it comes in a wave. But what I find is I really oscillate from that, and then I retreat. Yeah. You know, it all comes out really strong, really confident, bunch of social media, bunch of stuff, and then I'll just retreat from it. It's like. Oh, yeah, <laughs> me too. And you can, like, that, totally so, yeah. see that in our, like, even social media efforts. The way we like, do things. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, I think from from that perspective, um, you know, one of those really important things to do is to have 
a moment of self-reflection and to really mm. acknowledge the things you have achieved. Absolutely. Um, because I think we, we so easily dismiss it and you'll be like, oh, you've done two masters. I was like, you've done what? You know, and really realizing that, yeah, invest all the time, energy, money, effort in completing something exceptionally hard that most people don't do mm. and it's worthy of my own personal pride. Mm. And I think a lot of women associate pride as a, a negative you know a negative connotation that to mm. be proud is to there's some sort of arrogance or ego associated with that mm. uh, whereas we're allowed to be proud of hard work we're allowed to be proud of our effort we're even allowed to be proud of our own like innate ability if that's something that came easily to us why shouldn't we be proud of that because that is something different and exceptional mm. um, but often we'll dismiss it as ah, oh, it's just how it is or good luck or that's you know just I'm just really good at that. Like we, we, we shifted aside thinking that just because I was gifted that gift, then it's not that special or important. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, firstly is to really own and acknowledge your own personal achievements. And if that means sitting down and writing a list of all the things in your life that you're really proud of, the people you, you know, you've helped, the degrees you've done, the family you've raised, the whatever it is, like every last little thing, it could even be just the cool color chart you created for your own home, you know, the the styling. Like yeah. you're allowed to be proud of that stuff and yet we we so often dismiss that, which devalues, you know, our our qualities. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think that's a, a really nice grounding exercise uh, that doesn't involve, you know, and a sense of overwhelm or ego in it. It's just what have I done really good? You know, how have I demonstrated what I'm really skillful at? What do I really love doing and what have I felt personal success doing? Um, it could be anything. Yeah. And try to um, uh, not compare yourself to others when you're having that self-reflection as well. Mm. Um, and I think it is so important to reflect on your own achievements. And Ash, there is a um, a subsect of people, and I would be so interested to see if there is any correlation with women who do have this gene or this SNP that is this slight variant and what the rates of like imposter syndrome are in that subsect, and it's essentially, um, oh, I can't remember exactly what the name of the snip is, but um, it's where you will achieve something and then you just move on straight away. So you're not getting that same like, you know, um, the BDNF uh, big impulse and you're not having that great dopamine dump and everything from it. It's just like, okay, next. Um, so there's not that um, the tendency to stop and really acknowledge what you've done. Mm. Um, does that make sense? I'll have to, I'll have to remember what that is, but I see oh, that. Gosh, I always wonder whether I do that sometimes. Like I remember finishing stuff and not even downloading the the, the certificate. Yes. I, I can't even find certificates yes. that I have. I'm like, where are those pieces of paper? The yep. fact that I devalue them enough to not even be able to find them makes me wonder like, but is that normal? Because that seems like a really yeah. negative thing to do, but it, it's because it's not the piece of paper I was doing it for. It's just like, I need to know I've done that and I am I know that stuff. And yet I know when we were putting some things together for the practice, <laughs> Rachel asked me, she's like, oh, can we put your stuff up on the wall? I'm like, um, I'm just going to have to look for that stuff. I have no idea where it is. I had to go trawling through my emails to see if I, you know, were they sent to me in an email or were they posted to me? Like I didn't even look for them, which is interesting. Do you know I, that I, I didn't just... know how to read into that. I was like, oh, that's really uncomfortable that I didn't value it enough and I spent lots of money getting those, you know, those diplomas done. Like, ooh, oops. <laughs> um, Ash, that is hilarious because literally just a couple of months ago for the first time in my career have I actually put my 
my physical diplomas up on the wall, like the physical, like, you know, Mine's and I finally had them framed. And, on the desk. I know, it's so funny. Um, and, you know, oh, not that they needed to be up there, but, yeah, it's just an interesting um, reflection as to why I haven't done that. Um, so when you're reflecting on your achievements, I want you to have a think about, like, Say for us, Ash, like when we're presenting our seminars and our training series and everything, when have we ever had a teaching series where we have failed? There, there is, even though, you know, past performance isn't necessarily an indicator for future performance, but for us, for example, like when we're raising all of these questions, every time we have taught, Every time we have run these things, they have always been a huge success. You mm. know, they've mm. always been such incredible value. And, um, you know, I think you and I really shine when we are sharing our knowledge in that sense. Um, so, you know, reflecting on are these fears that are coming up actually founded and then challenging the doubts that are coming up for you. So where are the facts that support all of these doubts? And for us, I know that there's not really evidence to support all of these fears and frustrations and everything that's getting in the way of us doing the things that we know we shine in. Does that mm. kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it cleans away that degree of self-doubt because you're sort of comparing to past performance, knowing that you have the skills, capacity, why should it be any different? Mm -hmm. And allowing yourself to reflect on the fact that since, well, success breeds success, right? It's this idea that you do have the characteristics and traits, you can do it, it has been done, therefore it can be repeated again. Um, So not to expect the worst, but to expect the best. And that ties in really closely with um, something I've always done in the sporting arena. And I think this is, you know, I've continued this in, many aspects of my life, including the birth of my children. Um, Mm. For me, the power of visualisation is just something that cannot be surpassed. I feel as though the the people who can't feel, think, see, smell, taste, touch and sort of preempt performance can't possibly ever get there because it's proven that you can sort of pre-frame a situation, you can um, pre-fire muscle fibres, mm-hmm. you know, before performance. There's so much you can, your mind can set in motion before an actual event has happened. Yeah. Um, so I'm very much into visualisation. So I guess my tool for this this situation of imposter syndrome should be a better reflection of saying, what do I want to see happen? Yeah. How is this going to play out? You know, and visualize that success as opposed to worry about the things that haven't happened, you know, and that's something that, you know, is probably a characteristic that self doubt of this uh, particular imposter syndrome is that you're probably more looking towards the failure points than the success points. So to flip it around, to use positive visualization could be a really powerful tool. Um, even for difficult situations, you know, difficult seeing yourself up against, um, but what is it? I think situations that we more enter into here might be resigning from a job or a difficult conversation around finances mm-hmm. or things that make us squirm or feel uncomfortable. Actually, visualizing ourselves having a powerful, clear, coherent an articulate conversation or presenting our case in a strong, mm. clear, articulate mm. way can be very powerful in not getting caught up in the emotion 
in the moment when it mm-hmm. actually happens. So we've actually pre-framed an assertiveness that allows us when we arrive at that moment to stand in that assertion rather than stumbling through or feeling a lack of confidence or having someone feel like, you know, they're overshadowing our, our capacity there. Mm. So I think it can help in many different ways. So if you've never tried visualisation, uh, just to summarise it, I think what it really means is in your mind's eye, running through a situation the way you wish or would like to see it happen. Mm -hmm. And that is the way that you practice in your mind in order for that to be um, present when a situation comes forth Mm -hmm. so that it's almost like you've pre-framed and pre-fired your body and your mind to get ready for a situation that hasn't yet happened. And when it does, it's almost like you've practiced it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And you've got nothing to lose. No, absolutely not. So, Ash, I feel like we've just done our own self therapy on um, what. Oh, yeah, love this. I already our, fired up. I, I know. Like we should go and do something now. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, on you know, essentially, what's coming up for us so often at the moment, um, and I feel like it's the whole. And this could be so off track with what the the real sort of core of imposter syndrome is, but like feel the fear and do it anyway, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am so happy to always um, give you a reality check when you feel like you are, you know, do have these un- unfounded feelings of self doubt and everything else. Um, so you know, th- I'm I'm always here for that happily. Oh, um, thank you, <laughs> and, and and likewise. And I think you know as. Um, we do, you know, champion our clients and, and our friends as well because I, I think it's just so much more common than we realise and sometimes all it takes is just one person in life to say, hey, I get it, you're not alone, but just get out there and try because yep. you'll never know if you don't do. You'll never find out if you don't, you know, move into your, your dreams and desires. So yep. don't let it hold you back. You know, challenge your own negative self-talk and um, and absolutely affirm that you – are smart you are able to do what you need to do you have incredible contributions you know whether it be to your family your community um even you can go big the whole planet like it's whatever is possible is what you allow yourself to believe is possible so um anyone who's struggling with this we get it (laughs) we feel it we understand um but just give yourself a a little self-love and the grace of um acknowledging the discomfort that this brings us but also realizing it does help us grow you know it helps us make us stronger better more amazing women um out in our communities and uh, as much as it feels debilitating it's also our superpower so I think, you know, we don't necessarily have to cure this. I don't mm-hmm. actually probably want to cure this because I still believe it's, uh, you know, it's something that drives drives mm-hmm. me forward personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it is affecting your quality of life and the way you do things in your life, then have time to reflect in yourself and then get support, you know. And if you do need to reach out to a coach, a mentor, or a counsellor, or a psychologist, or and anybody who you feel can take you past that sort of paralysis, then do it because now there's no better time than now. You know, now is the time to to shine. And uh, I think, yeah, we love seeing women shine. And we just watched an incredible, you know, few weeks of uh, FIFA World Cup football. And I hate to jump on bandwagons because it's not really my, my style, but I just love what the Matildas have represented. You know, it's not necessarily that it's women and that they're winning, but they just bring a sense of community and confidence. Mm. And I think we all want to feel a little bit of that confidence. You know, we look at them and all want to be a little bit more like 
those women in their highs and lows and just be able to shine and do our very best. Um, I can only imagine people like Sam Kerr, right, must have this all the time. Well, you know, I have no idea who that is, but I figure it's someone on the Matildas. It's hilarious. I would love to have a chat to her one time. Like, <laughs> do you get this? Because I, I have no doubt she would. I just feel like she's like, I just think you see the way her eyes do things, the way her face reads. I'm like, this is a woman who fights herself all the time to be the very best uh, we she might can have possibly to get see. Sarah to contact her to have her on the show. Um, <laughs> I am so sport simple. I know that they're oh. a soccer team. I do love the fact that it's so widely talked about. So obviously, women's um, um, soccer is going to be football, um, football. a football. Oh, geez. <laughs> See, I should not be talking about this. Um, it's no, going to be um, soccer, but anywhere so else. much more talk to popular. the Dutch and say soccer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think this is a good place to start. I feel like you had the most beautiful eloquence. Oh, no, you really are being an imposter, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I think once we digress to talking about the sports is what I call it, anything to do with the sports, then I, uh, awesome. you know, and then Andrea needs to get offline because she's got nothing to add to that conversation. Um, oh, but as right. you you um, <laughs> you had like the um, that was so so eloquently put. Um, uh, so I love that, and I feel like that's Let's a really a really Let's good go place for us to stop. So, um, ladies, you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. And even though sometimes we feel like we're not doing it, we are absolutely raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.